You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to episode 59 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as regular listeners will know, I like to start off with a shout out to our new listeners. And this week we have new listeners in London, Birmingham, Portsmouth, Stoke-on-Trent, Manchester, Stockport, Hemel Hempstead, Cardiff, Leeds, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Bournemouth, Chelmsford, Sheffield, Nottingham and Guildford. That's all in the UK. Then across in Ireland we have new listeners in Leinster, County Wicklow and County Meath. In France we have new listeners in Drome and Saint-Saint-Denis. In Spain we have new listeners in Madrid, Barcelona and Malaga. In Belgium we have new listeners in Brussels. In the Netherlands we have new listeners in Amsterdam, The Hague and Rotterdam. In Germany we have new listeners in Dusseldorf and Munich. In Denmark we have new listeners in Copenhagen and Hoverstaden. In Norway we have new listeners in Oslo. In Sweden we have new listeners in Dalarna, Stockholm and Malmo. In Finland we have new listeners in Helsinki. In Switzerland we have new listeners in Lausanne, Brig, Zurich and Basel. In Austria we have new listeners in Vienna. In Italy we have new listeners in Milan. In Hungary we have new listeners in Budapest. In Bulgaria we have new listeners in Sofia. In Turkey we have new listeners in Istanbul. In Algeria we have new listeners in Algiers and a big welcome to you, you are our first listener in Algeria. In Ethiopia, we have new listeners in Addis Ababa. And again, a big welcome to you, new listeners in Ethiopia. We have new listeners in India, in Tamil Nadu. In Philippines, in Manila. In Japan, in Tokyo. In Hong Kong. In Australia, we have new listeners in Adelaide, Melbourne and Perth. In Sao Paulo, in Brazil. We have new listeners in Canada, in Quebec. And then... In the USA, we have new listeners this week in San Francisco, Dallas, Las Vegas, Washington DC, Boston, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Diego, Philadelphia, Denver, Kalamazoo, Seattle, Minneapolis, Atlanta, Houston, Indianapolis, Rochester, Austin, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Greensboro, West Palm Beach, Fargo and San Diego. So great to see new listeners right around the world and a big shout out welcome to you all. I really do appreciate everyone taking 30 minutes or so out of their week to catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR and of course a big shout out to all my regular listeners, the over 10,000 of you now who uh, are tuning in to catch up on the latest news on GDPR right around the world. And it's great to have you along. And as always, if you have any feedback on the show, please do email me at podcasts at insurity.co.uk or go to the podcast page on the www.insurity.co.uk website. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y dot co.uk. And you can find all the methods contacting me there. I do read all the feedback that you send in every week and it's great to have such great feedback from you all. Um, but do not hesitate to send me any feedback, whether that be comments on the show or ideas for articles or ideas for people you'd like me to interview on the show. All very welcome. I do read them all. Unfortunately, I don't have time to reply individually to them all, but please be sure they are all read. 
and wherever possible we incorporate them into future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. So, in a few moments, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So, coming up in episode 59 of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have news of a data breach in the Tesco parking app used at a number of their stores across the UK. We have news of a very serious data breach which allowed sensitive medical records to blow around the windy streets of Milton Keynes. We have news of a fine imposed on morale.net by the Polish ICO for a data breach. The Dutch ICO has suggested some standard GDPR penalties to be used across the EU. So we take a look at those. A survey has shown a UK-wide drop in direct mail since the introduction of GDPR. So we take a look at those survey results. We have news of yet another data breach at Instagram. And finally this week, we have the results of a Europe-wide survey of some 5,000 consumers to judge consumer awareness of GDPR. And that survey has some interesting results. So please do have a listen to that part of this week's episode. And we hope you find the whole program, as always, enjoyable, useful and informative. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A data breach has been notified this week by Tesco, who discovered the breach in their website used for car parking in some 19 of their stores across the UK. The breach was notified to them by the news technology news website, The Register, and started at their Stevenage store in Hertfordshire. The parking website gave access to unsecured timestamp automatic number plate recognition images of vehicles as they entered and left the car park. Once they were notified of the problem, Tesco contacted their supplier of the parking website and the website was taken offline. And at the moment is showing a 403 error page to anyone trying to access the site. And it does mean, of course, that it's affected the ability of Tesco to collect parking fees for customers parking at any of these 19 stores that have been affected. A Tesco spokesman said a technical issue with a parking app meant that for a short period, historic images and times of cars entering and exiting our car parks were accessible. While no images of people or any sensitive data were available, Any security breach is unacceptable and we have now disabled the app as we work with the provider to ensure it doesn't happen again. And of course the car registration numbers in particular are covered by GDPR. So it does count as a GDPR data breach. It's hard to know whether it should be reported to the ICO or not at the time of going to press. We've not received notification from the ICO that the breach has been reported. And personally, if we were advising Tesco on this, we'd probably advise them that it doesn't need to be reported to the ICO, but it would definitely need to be recorded, of course, in Tesco's own data breach register. Uh, If we get any update on this from Tesco or indeed the app provider, then we will, of course, bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. 
perhaps emphasising the need to be sure that data which is sent for threading or for secure disposal is securely disposed of came about in Milton Keynes this week. Torn medical records that had been sent to a recycling centre were found floating around the city centre. After bales of paper from the recycling centre were used to weigh down scaffolding. Shoppers in Milton Keynes were left disgusted by the sight of patients' medical information and personal data, including operations and addresses, being found on these scraps of paper which were just blown around the streets in central Milton Keynes. The paper had been sent for processing and been, and been pressed into around 40 blocks, which had then been placed onto scaffolding to act as ballast for the sculpture at the annual festival of urban living. One of the residents of Milton Keynes, Aidan Birch, said, I could see prescription forms and there were clear names and addresses and details of surgery. It's disgusting. You shouldn't be able to see private people's private information. And of course, that's very true. The four-storey scaffold structure was filled with the blocks of recycled paper to keep it steady ahead of the sculptor's unveiling on September the 26th. Organisers contacted CS Recycling in Hertfordshire after the sculpture's designers stated the artwork needed to be protected from high winds. And the recycling company responded by sending out cut and part threaded paper that had been pressed tightly into blocks. But any loose paper that had been in the blocks could be seen by shoppers as it was blown by the wind around the streets, prompting fears of possible identity fraud and other obviously severe data breach implications. CS Recycling marketing manager Emma Curtis said the firm solely organised the recycling of the bales, not the destruction of the data contained within the bales. Milton Keynes Council said they were appalled by the mistake and said we immediately covered the bales and arranged for their removal. We are asking the supplier of the bales to investigate as it falls far short of our expectations. Now, we've not yet had a chance to look into this in any depth, but if the reports are correct about the kind of medical data that was revealed, obviously that's very sensitive data. And so I would suspect that the recycling company whoever the company was due to pass the information onto the paper onto for secure destruction, and indeed whichever hospitals or surgeries have released their information to the recycling company, potentially could all find themselves facing severe fines from the ICO because this is really secure, sensitive data which should never just be left in bales in the street in the city centre. That's just absolutely negligent there's no other word for it and i think it does require further investigation we will be spending some time on this this coming week to see what else we can find out for you and i hope that the ico will investigate this quickly and will take a firm view of the penalties that should be imposed so as i say we will of course bring you future updates on this in future episodes of the gpr weekly show you're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. An online retailer in Poland received a hefty fine this week from the Polish ICO after failing to protect the data collected from 2.2 million customers across the company's nine websites. 
the Polish ICO said that GDPR imposed a clear threshold that organisations must consider to ensure compliance and it considered that for the Polish retailer Morel.net, M-O-R-E-L-E.net, this was sadly not the case. Morel reportedly became aware of a breach in its systems in November 2018 when customers reported receiving SMS messages demanding additional payments to complete an order. The SMS scam contained a link to a fake electronic payment gateway controlled by the hackers. Poland's Personal Data Protection Office said that while Morel took steps to remedy the situation following the breach, they had decided to fine the company €645,000 for insufficient organisational and technical safeguards. The president of Poland's Personal Data Protection Office said that Morel.net, by not using sufficient technical means of data protection, violated, among others specified in Article 5, Paragraph 1, Letter F, GDPR, the principle of confidentiality. For most of the affected customers, the leaked data included names, telephone numbers, email addresses and delivery addresses. Of the 2.2 million customers affected, 35,000 had additional information leaked, which included their payment instalment information, including a personal ID number, education, source of income and net income, household maintenance costs and marital status. So it's noticeable here that there's probably some quite sensitive data that has been, well indeed there is some sensitive data that has been exposed for those 35,000 people and in the eyes of the Polish ICO that was appropriate to deal with by a 645,000 euro fine which is probably coming into line with some of the fines that we've seen across the EU in the last few months for data breaches of that magnitude. So maybe we are starting to see um, some standardisation of penalties which is what of course uh, a number of ICOs across Europe have been pressing for because it's one thing having a standard set of rules but if you don't have a standard set of penalties then you're still not quite creating a level playing field. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. On the subject of bringing fines into line across Europe, the Dutch ICO has set the ball rolling this week with some suggestions of fines that it thinks would be appropriate for four different categories of data breach. And these are in order of increasing severity. At the lowest level, applying to relatively simple or charitable violations, it's suggesting that they should carry a fine of €100,000. When a company does not fulfil specific GDPR requirements regarding data processing, it's suggesting a fine of €310,000. If a company refuses to be transparent, so either fails to notify users or regulators or fails to comply with requests from the regulator to give it the information it needs to investigate a data breach, then it suggested a fine of €525,000. And for the unlawful processing of special categories of data, it's saying that should have a higher level of fine and that that should be fined at €725,000. Now, all of the other 27 or 28, if you include the UK, 
countries have not yet agreed to these levels of fines. It's just a proposal being put forward by the Dutch ICO. But it does seem to be probably a sensible level of fines. They're certainly higher than would have been had under the old Data Protection Act, but at the same time are not probably going to be of such a level that they destroy any companies or organisations. And of course, any fine is always going to be at the ICO's discretion anyway, and is limited by the overall standards of fines set for GDPR as a whole. But I think it's great that we are starting to see some movement on this, and it's something we will continue to follow up in future episodes of the GDPR Week show, because bringing fines and penalties across the whole of the EU and the UK into line would, I think, be a great next step forward in the GDPR journey. Especially as GDPR is becoming the de facto platinum standard across the world, and that's great to see. And indeed, just this week, Jordan has announced that it is now rewriting its data privacy laws to bring them in line with the requirements of GDPR. So, yeah, another country joining the GDPR fold. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. When GDPR first came in in the UK, um, one of the perceived benefits was that it would cut down the amount of junk mail that people received through their letterbox every day because it was now possible to opt out of mailing lists, essentially, and also, of course, that if you were found yourself on a mailing list you weren't aware you were on, you should raise the matter with the ICO, ultimately, and ask them to investigate. But at the same time, there was fear within the industry, I think it's fair to say, that all that would simply happen was that instead of having mail addressed to an individual, mail would simply be addressed to the householder, and so in many ways sidestep GDPR. However, recent research has shown that that's not quite what's happened, because in a survey which was carried out across the UK, most householders said that they'd received now about 30% less direct mail than they used to, which equates to some 2.8 billion less items of posts dropping onto doormats across the country every year. Now, to put this into context, prior to the introduction of GDPR, it was felt that on average, households across the UK received 9.9 billion items of advertising mail per year, which worked out at seven items per week per household. However, since GDPR came into force, this amount has shrunk to 7.1 billion, or five items of direct mail per week per household. But what was interesting as well from the survey was that the effect has not been equally spread across the country. Households in Leeds, Brighton and Plymouth were found to experience the largest reduction in direct mail volumes, with drops of 53%, 50% and 46% respectively. All other areas of the UK also experienced reductions, except for those poor people in Sheffield, who uh, residents in Sheffield have experienced a 10.2% increase in the direct mail that they receive. So just as the show, I guess there will always be some areas that will buck the trend. People in Liverpool, Norwich and Newcastle currently receive the least amounts of direct mail, 
On average, people in Liverpool receive 3.82 pieces per week, in Norwich 3.99 pieces per week, and in Newcastle 4.14 pieces per week. While at the other end of the spectrum, those in Sheffield now receive 6.5 pieces per week, in London 5.44 pieces per week, and in Birmingham 5.36 pieces per week. Now, if we compare this back to before GDPR came into force, then, for example, Leeds would receive almost 10 pieces per week, Brighton 9.5 pieces per week, and London 8 pieces a week. And ironically then, Sheffield was the least on 5.88 pieces per week. So, just to show on any uh, new legislation, it's always a bit of a chase of swings around about. The other heartening thing to come out of the survey was that 45% of consumers reported that they felt that the advertising mail they did receive was now more relevant. And the result of this, we've seen new brands testing the channel, such as Just Eat, and historic direct mail users returning to the channel. Perception amongst marketers is also changing. Effectiveness is now tied not to volume, it's tied to response which is an incredibly positive step change for the sector and of course brings the sector more in line with online advertising where performance has long been measured on response. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. It feels like hardly a week goes by without us needing to mention Facebook or one of the Facebook group of companies. And this week, the focus turns on Instagram. A data leak has been discovered at Instagram, which was exposing hidden contact information, including the real names of millions of Instagram users and their phone numbers. The silver lining here is that the leak was discovered by a white hat hacker or security researcher and was patched by Facebook before there was any other known illicit access. Now, of course, the emphasis here, of course, is on the word known because it's never clear until much more research is carried out into what might be currently unknown. The other silver lining to this Instagram data link was that it did not appear to expose any payment information. It was limited to looking up personal contact information by way of a set of vulnerabilities in the platform's login form and in particular its sync contacts feature. The Israeli hacker, known by the handle ZHacker13, access the count data that reporters knew to be accurate. The hack began with a simple brute force login attempt through the standard Instagram web interface. The hacker found a means to feed phone numbers to the login form, which would then flag the number if it was in use by an account. Instagram did not limit the number of attempts that could be run. With a list of phone numbers now known to be attached to accounts at hand, the hacker could then set up a new account an attempt to sync contacts by entering the known valid phone numbers. Valid phone number matches would link to the holder's account number and return the account number's real name. The only limitation on this phase of the attack is a three-per-day restriction on sync contacts with each account, but was anyone determined to get round this by setting up a number of multiple Instagram accounts? Now, it should be emphasised that this vulnerability in Instagram can't be used to gain illicit access to accounts, but the phone numbers and real names it is supposed are frequently not meant to be seen by the public. Knowledge of the phone number connected to the account would, could create a pathway for an attacker to take it over by way of a SIM swap attack, 
Or, of course, could just result in numerous spam SMS messages being received by that phone number. Instagram issued a statement that the vulnerability had now been patched out and that there was no illicit access of data in this way prior to discovery, but it conceded that it's always difficult to know these things for sure. If we receive any more information from Instagram about this data breach, we will, of course, bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. No doubt the Irish ICO will add this data breach to the number of data breaches that they are investigating across Facebook and its group of companies since they all have chosen or have been given the Irish ICO as their responsible ICO. And another interesting point to come out from this this week was that the Irish ICO has made clear that because of the amount of time and effort and resource they are having to dedicate to investigating the data breach, not just at Facebook and Instagram, but other big tech companies that have their base in the Republic of Ireland, the Irish ICO is not minded to share the penalties or the proceeds of the penalties from any of these data breaches with other EU ICO organisations. It's saying if they've carried out the work and that the company is within the Irish Republic, then why shouldn't they retain the penalties from those ICO um, GDPR data breaches? Now, it'd be interesting to see how the rest of Europe reacts to this because, of course, unlike other countries where the penalties have been in the millions, even the 183 million that the UK ICO enforced upon British Airways, um, Ireland could be talking about billions of euros in GDPR penalties when it comes to applying them. And I'm not quite sure that the rest of Europe is ready to say, OK, you can hold on to all that money. But again, that's something we'll, we'll keep an eye on and we'll bring you updates in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. The results of a wide-ranging survey carried out by EDAA and they spoke to some... 5,000 users of the internet equally spread across France, Germany, Poland, Spain and the UK have been released this week. The EDAA being the European Interactive Digital Advertising Alliance. And what they found was quite interesting on the variations across those countries but also just the levels of general awareness. And the headline figure was that 76% of consumers were found to be aware of GDPR. Now within those 76%, 11% said they were very aware, 35% said they were fairly aware, and 30% said they had some awareness. But nonetheless, in total, it means 76%, three out of four internet users in the EU are aware of GDPR, at least to some degree. But again, it's interesting how that varied across from country to country. So, in terms of awareness of GDPR, just being aware that it existed and, and it was vaguely there, then the figures went from 70% in France to 85% in Poland, with the UK being somewhere in the middle there at 73%.
But in terms of having a real understanding of GDPR, again, the, the figures went the same way, but the gap this time was much larger from 36% in France, 41% in Spain, 46% in the UK, 52% in Germany, and 56% in Poland. So it seems like the Polish people are really aware of what's going on in the world of GDPR. Maybe we've got a lot of Polish listeners, who knows. Anyway, despite a lack of thorough understanding, around two and three consumers were aware when asked of some of GDPR's purposes and provisions. And at least 40% said they feel more knowledgeable about the way their data is handled since GDPR came in than they used to in the past. The other interesting thing to come out of the survey, I think, was that whilst more consumers had some knowledge of how their data was used for advertising, 72% of those asked said they'd like to know more. But looked at overall, 97% of those people interviewed, so 97% of 5,000 people, said they were aware that some of their personal data was used to shape the internet advertising which they saw. Now turning to Doodle advertising for a minute, whether that's AdWords or more precisely when AdWords plays a graphical ad, and the ad choices icon appears up in the top right hand corner of the ad. Despite its discrete positioning, one in three consumers said they had used the ad choices icon at some point. The other thing to come out from the survey was looking across the age range of users, and perhaps not surprisingly, in the 18 to 35 age group, well over three quarters of users were aware of data being used for online advertising, whereas in the 65 plus age group, only some 40% were aware. Some questions where everyone said things had improved since GDPR were when they were asked, did they have easy access to explanations as to how advertising companies collect and use the information about them? A staggering 32% more people said they now felt they had that easy access than they did before GDPR. When asked whether they trust organisations to use information about them in a legal and responsible way, 54% said yes, they did. When asked whether they were happy for information about them to be collected in order to access specific online websites and services, 53% said they did. 51% felt that their online experience had been improved by having advertising that was more tailored to them. And 59%, so almost 6 out of 10, said that they would rather have ads tailored to their interests rather than general ads that they didn't see any relation to at all. And of course, that probably works the other way for advertisers, just you know, a more targeted ad, in theory, should get a far better conversion rate. So some interesting outcomes there from that survey, as I say, that was carried out across uh, France, Germany, Poland, Spain and the UK by the European Interactive Digital Advertising Alliance. And we thank them for allowing us to share that information with you today. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. 
So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us at Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.